Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Father's Day is a day where we get the incredible opportunity to honour all the dads. Why? Because being a dad is not easy. And I do believe it's not the only day that we should honour dads. Just like I believe that Mother's Day is not the only day that we should honour mothers. Dr. James Dobson says this, good fathers are made, not born. To be a good father, we need a model and an example of a father that we can pattern ourselves after. Paul, the great apostle who wrote much of the New Testament in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became a father through the gospel. I consider myself one of those very, very blessed people because I had a very, very incredible father. A great example and a great role model. In fact, this morning I honoured him on social media with a picture from back in the day. Way back in 1955, when he was 20 years of age, he was in a bodybuilding magazine. I mean, it's just, it just crazy. And so I'm just very proud of my dad. I think he's an incredible man. And many of you who've been part of the church for a long period of time know who I'm talking about and would have the same love and appreciation, at least in some measure, as I do to him. And I'm just so grateful for him. But I realise that not everyone shares the same sentiment in their situation or in their family, and my heart goes out to you. And I realise there are some who never got married and there are some who never got the privilege of becoming a father. And we don't want anyone to feel like a failure here this morning. We don't want to make uh, anyone feel like they've missed out on something. We realise that we all have our crosses to carry. We all have our roads to walk. We all have our journeys to travel. And so wherever you are in the journey of life, We just want you to know that uh, you are loved and that you are seen and that you are known and that you are cared for. But it is Father's Day and so we unapologetically do want to just take a moment to honour all the dads in the place today. The reality is there's no such thing as a perfect father. But the good news is we do have a perfect heavenly father. Regardless of what your thoughts are of Father God, He is perfect in every way. And maybe your understanding of God in heaven is not that way inclined, but I I trust that you'll just lend me your ear this morning as I seek to share a few thoughts about the character and the nature of our incredible, perfect, heavenly Father. I've entitled my message today, the good father with one of the O's crossed out because I really do believe to be a good godly father, we need God at the centre of our lives. And so you can interpret my title as the good father or the Godfather. it's up to you. But I believe to be a good father, you need God at the centre of your life. I wanna look at the relationship between God and His children. Who are His children? Every person who's ever been born to this planet. I'm a child of His, you're a child of His. Every person on the planet, past, present and future, is a child of God and He is worthy to be honoured. Father's Day is about honouring the fathers and He is a Father who is worthy of honour and also He is a great example to follow. 
So three things very quickly that hopefully will help you understand something of the heart of the Father in heaven, but also something practical to help us in our fathering, parenting, and just friending of one another today. And the first one is simply this, that God loves His children. That's good news. God loves you. In fact, let me say it this way. God is madly and passionately in love with you. Some people view God as an old man in heaven with a long grey beard and a stick who's just miserable at everyone and everything. And if that's your view of God, that is not the biblical view of who God our Father is. He is madly and passionately in love with you. Why? Because 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. For God to stop loving would mean God would have to stop being Himself. Have you ever met someone who's just full of joy? It's just who they are. And for them to stop being joyful, just to be to, for a part of them to die. Well, for God to, to not love would, for, would be for God to stop existing. God doesn't love. God is love. It's not one of His characters. It's who He is. The Bible says God is love. Everything He does is motivated on the foundation of who He is and that is love. God loves you. God loves this world. God loves all those that are in prison today. God loves all those who are doing crazy things last night down high in this street. God is madly and passionately in love with this world. In spite of all its troubles, in spite of all its crazy goings on, God continues to love this world. He loves you. He doesn't just love the world, He loves you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves me. He, he loves you. He, he, he does. He, he loves you. And the result of Him loving us means that we can love others. And the more of God we have in our life, the more we can love others. The easier we can love others. Never ceases to amaze me some of the tragedies that happen to people and they continue to love their enemies because they're filled with the love of God. Saw something on the news just recently about a woman who chose to forgive the very man that killed one of her sons because she's filled with the love of God. Yeah. It didn't make his actions right. Yeah. But she realised for me to be uh, caught up in the cycle of bitterness is not to help me yeah. or my family. Yeah. And through the love of God, she chose yeah. to forgive this man. Yeah. How do you do that? You can't in your own street. You can't be a good father. You can't be a good mother. You can't be a good brother. You can't be a good sister without the goodness of God flowing through our lives. Amen. The good news is not only does He love us, but He loves us unconditionally. That means no matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter what we think, He continues to love us. Hey, of course there's consequence to our actions, but He continues to love us. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, parents, bear with me. When your kids let you down, when your kids do something crazy and stupid and, and, and just do something to embarrass you as parents, we continue to love them. And God continues to love us. It's a love that's not based on performance. He just loves us not for what we do, not for what we don't do, but for who we are which flies in the face of how most people view religion. Most people think that if you want to be close to God, you've got to stop doing this and you've got to start doing that. 
And that's got nothing to do with following Christ. It's got nothing to do with being a Christian because God loves us unconditionally. God's not going to love you any more than He does right now, no matter what you're doing. He loves us unconditionally. It's like a parent with a brand new baby. We just love our child. Not because of what they do. Let's be honest, babies don't do anything. All they do is sleep, eat, poo. Repeat. That's all they do. How cute. And we just can, yeah, and any parent knows this. You can waste hours just staring at this child who hasn't done anything. It's just, a, it's just a love you have for the child. Where does that love come from? It comes from God. Yeah. It's not a love that's based on performance. God loves you no matter what. Just like we love our children no matter what. Yeah. That sleeping, eating, pooing little machine, we just love them. And even the ugly ones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, not every baby is cute. We call them cute, but we don't mean it. We say, oh, oh, he's beautiful. And we're lying. <laughs> and then some of the girls, oh, she's beautiful. We are lying. Not every child is beautiful. Not every brand new baby is beautiful. Dan and Ashari got a beautiful baby. <laughs> Me, however, when I was born, I was not beautiful. <laughs> I didn't live and grow up in a time of political correctness. So, so nursing staff said things as they were. When I was born, the nurse looked at my mother, handed me to her and said, don't worry, Mrs. Rainbow, I'm sure when he's older, he'll be lovely. <laughs> That's ugly. And you know what? As ugly as I was, my mum loved me. My dad liked me, but my mum loved me. We loved them. Because it's not a love based on performance. And God loves you and it's a love that is not based on performance. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on what you don't do. He's just madly and passionately in love with you. Secondly, God not only loves you, but God encourages His children. He loves His children and He encourages His children. See, the Bible is full of stories where God encourages His kids. Many of you may have heard of a Bible character called Moses. And God told Moses that he would be a deliberate leader when he was hiding away in a foreign land. God said, you're gonna be a deliverer leader. I'm gonna use you. You've got what it takes. Talk about encouragement. He told Joshua that I will be with you as I have been with Moses. He told Jesus that you are my son and with you I am well pleased. Just like God encourages us, our role as a dad, our role as a parent, our role as family members is to encourage one another. The Bible says that we should encourage one another and do it all the more as the day of Christ's return approaches. We should be encouragers. I want you right now just to turn to the best person next to you and encourage them. Say something nice to the person next to you. I dare you. Come on. I double dare you. Just be encouraging just for a moment.
Look at that, there's smiles, there's laughter. Hey, you might've got a little bit awkward. You might've got a little bit embarrassed, but it didn't suck, did it? No, it didn't, it's fun, it's nice, you feel good. We have an opportunity to make people's day. Can I say, when you're having out at a restaurant today, which many of you will do, celebrating dads, why don't you encourage the waiters and waitresses? Why don't you encourage the staff at the restaurant? Just say, encourage them they're doing a good job. Encourage them in, in some aspect of what they do or what they're wearing or how they look today. I tell you, it will go well for you as it will go well for them. There's no bad time to encourage someone. There's no bad moment to encourage someone. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to pray about it. It's not like, oh, is this a good time to encourage someone? It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter how they feel. It's always a good time to encourage. God encourages His kids as we need to encourage our kids. As parents and particularly as dads, we need to see the things in our kids to see the things that they can do and encourage them in it. Yeah. I remember our oldest, when she was much younger, Jordan, she was very discerning as a kid. And we encouraged that discernment. And many years later, she's studying to be a psychologist, which is in keeping with what we discerned about her discernment all those years ago. And we encouraged that. We didn't stop saying, we didn't say to her, who do you think you are? Stop talking back to your mum or dad, which she did a little bit of, I've got to be honest. But we encourage this gift that was in her. And, and that's the privilege we get as parents, particularly as dads. We encourage with our words, we encourage with our presence, and we encourage with our assistance. Yeah. See, our words create our worlds. Way back in Genesis, it says, God spoke and there was. He said, let there be light and guess what? Light appeared. He said, let there be hills, and guess what? Hills appeared. Let there be plants, and plants appeared. Let there be animals, and animals appeared. So let there be sea creatures, and the Bible says that the sea teemed with creatures. That's amazing. God just spoke the world into existence. And just as God speaks the world into existence, so we speak our world into existence. If we say, this is an awesome day, guess what? You're going to have a far better day than if you wake up and say, this is horrible. You'll usually get what you speak. You notice that? Your words will create your worlds. Your words will create your day. That's why for me, my first thing I do each morning, not because I'm religious, not because I have to, but just because I realise the power of the start of my day. And if I can get the right language and the right thinking early in the day, it sets my day up well. And so to read God's Word and then go for a walk and pray to God with my wife just helps me create the right words to create the right world. We prayed for you today. You know that? Kath and I were walking down the beach and we're just praying for you. We're praying for a great service. We're just praying that God would come and minister and speak to every one of you. Those that are single, those that are married, those that are happily married, those that are not so happily married. We prayed for you. We pray for those whose kids are doing awesome. We pray for those whose kids are on the, you know, doing it tough. We prayed for you. We prayed for you. And our words make a difference. You know that? Our words shape and form and fashion the world in which we live. So let's be positive with our words. 
I've told this story many times before, but I realise there's many people here for the very first time today. But when I was a kid, I was a scrawny little kid and, and my dad was into bodybuilding. He used to look at my little physique and he used to grab my arms and he said, oh man, your arms are so big and strong, got these muscles. And he used to call me his superboy. I, I was superboy growing up. He, I, just, I just was led to believe that I was superboy. There was superman, there was superwoman, and then there was me. I was, must have been there kind of, I don't know, a strange son, I don't know, but I was Superboy, and I, I just had, I had this, this, not this self-confidence, but this confidence that came by my father speaking over me, words of encouragement. Superboy, love that. Our words create our worlds. And another thing that's so important is the ministry, what I call the ministry of presence. When our kids were at sport, their attitude changed when they knew that dad was watching. And that hasn't stopped. Even more recently, I was at a recital, watching our youngest, BJ, and there she was. Before she, she plays, play, I don't know what that was. Before she plays. <laughs> I can see her, she's looking. Where's mum? Where's dad? Where are they? The ministry of presence. Don't, don't underestimate the ministry of presence. And I, I didn't say just be with them. I said, be with them. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You can be with them and not be present. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, it would be really good if, if some of us had a big box that we all put our phones in and didn't look at and just hung together. Yeah. The kids ask me, what do I want for Father's Day? Well, I'm not a gifts guy. So I said, I'm gonna make it real easy for you. All I want is you. So after BJ finishes work, the kids are going to pick BJ up and they're going to come down to the beach and we're just going to hang together. We're going to play Finkska. We're going to play You Know. We're going to play, what's that other game you love playing? That, what's it called? The board sequence. We're just going to do that and there'll be no phones. No. Walking in the airport the other day, and I walked straight into a woman. Do you know why? Because she was on her phone and she just stopped. She's like, and I walked straight into her, and she got upset with me. Well, well, put your phone away. I didn't say that. I wanted to say that, but I had the ministry of encouragement. And sometimes encouragement just looks like not saying anything bad. I didn't say anything good, but I didn't say anything bad. So that was, that, was, that was the level of encouragement I gave her that day. But just like, seriously? Anyways, I don't know. I feel like I need a couch today. Just to, I feel like I'm just purging here, but it is what it is. A good father loves, a good father encourages, and it's good so far, huh? It's good so far. The third one's not so good. A good father disciplines. Which reminds me of a story of a man who had three sons and these three sons were such good mates and so loyal to each other, they would never dob each other in. And so the father's friend asked him one day, he said, well, well, how do you know who to punish when they've done anything wrong? He said, that's real easy. What I do, I send them all to bed with no dinner. And in the morning, I discipline the one with the black eye. (laughs) 
When we talk about discipline, sadly and wrongly, we often associate it with abuse. And that's because some people have been abused under the banner of discipline. But can I say this? The answer to abuse is never no use. It's always correct use. I'll say that again. The answer to abuse is never no use, which is what we tend to do. We tend to go from one extreme to the other. If discipline equals abuse, then I'm not going to discipline because I don't want to be abused. How about this? We land in the middle. The answer to abuse is not no use. It's correct use. And I want to encourage you today why we need to discipline our kids and why discipline in and of itself is important. Because the Bible doesn't associate discipline with abuse. The Bible associates discipline with our first point, and that is love. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, Because the Lord disciplines the ones He loves, and He chastens everyone He accepts as a son. The Bible also says that we need to train a child in the way that they should go. The problem is with kids, they don't know the way they should go. And it's our job as parents, particularly dads, to help them get there. Why? Because what many dads and parents in general fail to recognise is their kids have a lack of brain capacity. And that's because the brain changes, forms and grows over time. I want you to listen up because this is very important. The area of the brain located just behind the forehead is known as the prefrontal cortex. Many of you would know that because of school and psychology and university and all that sort of stuff. And this part of the brain is responsible for higher order thinking, compassion, curiosity, insight, and even moral reasoning. However, this part of the brain is not developed, get this, until the mid-20s leaving many kids vulnerable to its lack of function. To further complicate matters, the emotional centre of the brain, the limbic system, is fully functional. And that's the part of the brain that involves our emotional behaviour, e.g. kids having meltdowns, having battles over the bedtime, Sibling wars, homework freakouts. Please tell me I'm not just talking about our home. That unrational, unreasonable, I don't want to go to bed. I'm not tired. I know better than you. I used to say to our kids, you may not be tired, but we are tired of you. Our kids don't know what time is a good bedtime because their brain hasn't functioned well enough to tell them what is a good time. And so here's your role, dads. You ready? All the dads out there and all the wannabe dads, all the spiritual dads, this is your role when it comes to raising kids. As a dad, this is important to know because you will need to serve as their surrogate prefrontal cortex. You will need to provide the emotional stability to the overpowering emotions that they are experiencing. 
That's where dads step in. Because kids don't know what they want because their part of their brain that makes good decisions hasn't been developed yet. So when I hear that we're passing laws for young kids to cut off their genitalia, when they can't even make a decision about what's a good bedtime, we have a problem. We have a serious problem. And we as dads need to step in the gap. And so I don't care what you say. And I don't even care what others might say. We often got that from our kids, but my friends, I said, your friends don't live here. Your friends don't have me as a dad. And in this house, you go to bed, 7.30. And I wish I could tell you that when I said that, that was the end of the story. We had to fight to get some of our bedtime, particularly with our oldest. See, we got three kids and they all had to be disciplined, but they had to be disciplined differently because some were stronger than others. Some were more compliant than others. Some weren't. I won't mention anyone by name. I'm just saying that there are some who just so happen to be sitting on the front row and just so happen to be our firstborn child. And I'll never forget one time putting BJ Jordan to bed and, and, and it was a new experience for her because she was no longer in her cot, which means she, had, she could actually get out of bed, which means she could open the door, which means she could get up and go off and do what she wants to do. But we had a bedtime. And I'll never forget this one time, BJ wanted to get out and I, and I had to stand on the other side of the door and I, I stood there and I stood there and I stood there. Because this is what you got to do, bookmen. If you pick a fight, you better win it. If you're going to tell them it's 7.30, they better not go to bed at 8 because they're setting the bedtime. So I'm standing there holding this door and holding this door. And little Miss Independent on the other side, all of two years old, who thinks she knows better when her little brain hasn't fully functioned yet, wants to get out of bed. And I stood there for a minute, 10 minutes, Half an hour, 45 minutes, cast in tears. The, the mum in her just wants to just let her out and just cuddle her. I said, no, we're going to win this battle. And I stood there until it went quieter and quieter and quieter. Then I thought, is she alive? <laughs> she stuck out the window. What's she done? And I thought, I better, I better check on her. I, I tried to open the door and I couldn't open it because she was fast asleep, right behind the door. <laughs> and I had to push the door open without trying to wake her up. Little did I know, she had worn herself out so much, she was exhausted. So I was put in her bed, and we won a battle. And you know what I've learned? If you are tough when they're two, they'll be pleasant when they're 12. Yeah. To quote John Maxwell, you'll pay now or play later, or you can play now and pay later. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's far better to pay when the kids are early yeah. and play yeah. later. This afternoon, we're going to play. We're going to play Finkska. <laughs> we're going to play, what's the other one? Sequence. <laughs> we're going to play Uno and some of those other cool games. 
Because when they were younger, I wouldn't let them out of the bedroom. Why? Because they don't have the brain. Please don't give your kids that much credit. I, I know everything's saying, but my kid's different. Yes, they are. They're worse than other kids. <laughs> we have to win this battle. And laws are changing and we have to be wise. But it's going to take courage. It's going to take strength. But it's a battle we must win. And that's why God disciplines his children because he knows best. But it's from a foundation of love. In conclusion, good fathers aren't born, they're made. You may not have had a good role model or a model to learn from, but each and every one of us can learn from our Heavenly Father because our Heavenly Father loves us he encourages us and he loves us too much not to discipline us. This is an incredible place, the church, the local church, to become part of a family and get what it is that you never got. God's incredibly redemptive. He's the God of the second and third and fourth and fifth chance. And so if you had a horrible upbringing, there are many people who call Life Adelaide home. There are many people who call their local church home who didn't have a good role yeah. model as a father. Many were abused, abandoned, sexually molested, etc. The, 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 the stories are horrific, but they land in a great story in how God redeemed yeah. the situation. Yeah. And as he did it for them, he can do it for us. Yeah. Because God is not only the supreme example of what a good dad is, he's the source of what a good dad is. If you desire to be a good dad, if you desire to be a godly dad, then we need God at the centre. We can't be the good godly dad we want to be without God in our lives. He's the example. He's the source. To be a good godly dad, we need God. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.